Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist. My name is Katherine Barkman, and I'm a soloist at San Francisco Ballet. This podcast series of Meet the Artist interviews is your chance to get to know us, the dancers, musicians, designers, and choreographers at SF Ballet, as we discuss our lives, the process in the studio, performances on stage, and more. Join us for Meet the Artist interviews live and in person in the Opera House before Friday and Sunday performances, or tune in all season long to hear podcast recordings of San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interviews. Enjoy! Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist interview at the War Memorial Opera House. My name is Claire Sheridan. I'm your host for this event, and it's my pleasure to introduce our guest today. Folks, please join me in welcoming San Francisco Ballet principal dancer Joseph Walsh. Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Thank you for coming inside on this beautiful sunny day. Now, Joe, rumor has it that you were seen performing on this very stage yesterday, dancing the role of Prince Siegfried in Swan Lake. I was. <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yeah. I'm feeling it today. Yes. Uh, we'll be talking about that ballet specifically, but first, uh, Joe, a few questions about you and your career. You were born in Pennsylvania, and you received your ballet training at the Walnut Hills School for the Arts and the Houston Ballet Academy. Do you have any standout memories from those student days? Like, was there a special mentor or teacher that really changed you or affected your life? Yeah, um, my time in Walnut Hill was totally transformational and gave me a really great experience of, of what a well-rounded artist looks like and what a good collaborator also looks like. Um, because there are five majors, we get to see how actors work and how singers sing and how musicians play and the amount of practice that each art form requires is different, but we could all kind of understand that and relate and commiserate when we needed to. Um, but specifically in the ballet department, uh, Sam Kirchin was somebody that really taught me how to express music and how to find joy in every role. Uh, he is no longer with us, but he's still here with me every time I perform. Um, he trained uh, some of the time that he was learning how to teach and how to choreograph, he trained with Stanley Williams. And Stanley Williams, since then, has become this kind of ever-present uh, person that I've never met, but I, I feel and understand. Uh, John A. Eliasson, uh, a person from, he was at the Royal Danish. Uh, he has told me, I've worked with him on a lot of Bournemouth stuff, uh, like Etudes when we did that a few years ago. Um, but he taught me about how they used to correspond, like pen pals. And Stanley Williams would write to him and tell him, the, specific, the specifics of why he does certain things in class and what that prepares the dancers for. And, you know, you see that at New York City Ballet. And again, Julio Boca coming this year for uh, Swan Lake, uh, which was unreal, just an amazing thing to be in the studio with him. He, again, was referencing Stanley Williams uh, 
through his training and all. It's just, it's an amazing thing to see that these lineages kind of just pass through onto the next generation unknowingly oftentimes, but I'm lucky to have teachers that have been able to express that to me outside of just when we're in the classroom. As a, as a student, did you ever want to quit? <laughs> um, I think in middle school there was like so much bullying because I was in the Boston area that's just totally, uh, arts is not seen the same way in a public school in like a suburb outside of Boston as it is within Boston even. Um, but yeah, you know, you wear tights and you are dancing with girls all the time and are you in point shoes and tutus and like, you know, the kind of like harsh realities of um, becoming or going through your adolescence that definitely uh, took its toll on me, but it actually created the space where I could, um, I started going to high school classes while I was in middle school for Walnut Hill. They started, they just like boosted me into that next level. I was put maybe ready, but they, they thought I was ready. Uh, and that then gave me the opportunity to also skip, seventh, uh, skip eighth grade and move directly into um, high school. And that got me out of uh, the bullying real quick. <laughs> I'm glad you hung in there. Your professional career, career began with the Houston Ballet. Then you joined SFB in 2014 as a soloist. And just six months later, you were promoted to principal dancer. You've done Balanchine, Wielden, Bournonville, contemporary ballets, all the princely roles in Nutcracker, Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. It's, you have one heck of a resume, dude. <laughs> Can you tell us um, which ballet is great fun, great memory? When you think of the ballet, you have the most joy. What ballet was most fun for you to perform? Um, I think that's like, you know, obviously it's like picking your favorite child in a way. Um, each, each ballet has its ups and downs and I think that regardless of the role or the choreographer, um, my favorite time with a role is always on stage and finding the reason that you put in all of the hours and the, the, the space that this huge opera house gives you to um, find the freedom and discover things while you're in the role. Um, so I, I wouldn't say necessarily, uh, you know, it's always fun finding the differences in these princes <laughs> um, because a lot of them can just feel the same. You're just, you know, you're there to support the lead female role, uh, but also in this day and age, I'm trying to kind of look at something like Swan Lake and be like, okay, well, let's make him a little bit more real um, and find the light and shade in him, not just, um, no, she's not good enough for me kind of thing. Like that feels really false to me. And so I'm, appreciative of how it's been told in the past, and I'm trying to bring a new um, shade to what I'm doing on stage each time. 
Uh, folks, how many of you saw Mere Mortals? Ah. Joe, you danced the role it's of a hit. <laughs> Prometheus in that ballet, and it must have been a huge transition for your body and mind to go from this grounded, contemporary, um, unsettled movement of Mere Mortals to the classicism of Swan Lake. How'd you handle that transition? Yeah, um, it was extreme. You know, it's, it was a great piece to start the season because it's a massive ensemble piece and everyone is there with one brain trying to get through what Sam was doing with the music each show, completely changing how certain things sounded. Um, and, and just, I think that kind of community building has lent itself really well to now that we've gone through British icons and now we're in Swan Lake and it feels like everyone's in the same brain space still from that um, quite challenging ballet. And in that way, Mere Mortals definitely gave me stamina that, that I've held on to. Like going right into British icons, it was um, definitely like three or four days that took me to get my body back into that kind of like turned out and upright position, uh, but the, the effort that you have to put into Mere Mortals is, um, you know, there's no intermission, you're kind of just like going straight from, from go and you don't stop until um, you are trying not to let her open the, the jar <laughs> and they don't listen and so you just walk away. Um, if you're just joining us, I'm uh, Claire Sheridan, and I'm speaking with San Francisco Ballet principal dancer Joseph Walsh. And in a short while, we'll be able to take some questions from the audience. You can be thinking about that. Okay, let's talk now about Swan Lake. You danced the role of Prince Siegfried. How do you see this character? Um, I see him as kind of a... He's just... He's not thinking about what it means to be a prince quite yet. Um, and I think that his, his mother and his tutor are adamant about pushing this, you have to get married, you have to continue the lineage, all of those, um, you know, king, you know, whatever, duty. all that kind of stuff. Duty. Yeah, yeah the duty. Um, but I think that he just doesn't see the joy in anything because he's been given everything. And suddenly that he's sent out in this space where he's been told he has to do something and he doesn't want to do it, then it gives him the time to run away. And um, he actually finds what it means to be a human in a different, uh, in like a non-human way of like, experiencing uh, the joy of love by finding this being that he doesn't quite understand and can't, can't put his finger on, um, literally, when he first meets her. But, uh, We're talking about the white swan. Okay. Yes, yeah. Um, but that, that kind of then informs the rest of the role for me where he finally uh, has a drive. And so then I just tried and play him in the third act especially as, you know, he's, he's there, he's at the ceremony, but he's just, he's not actually there. He's somewhere else thinking about her and, and waiting for the next time he can go to the lake. And then what about the, 
the remorse. I mean, how, how, how does it develop in your mind when the prince realizes what a terrible mistake he has made? You know, I, I feel like the way that I approach White Swan is you're two separate beings that are falling in love. But when Odile comes out and she has Rothbart and the power that he has, I find myself more like a mirror to her where I feel like whatever spell is coming over me is also turning my character more into this kind of like uh, aggressor in a way that I'm like trying to stand up with her because she's so definite in all of her decisions. And so unlike the conversation that you're having in White Swan Potato where it's, um, but we can if we just try, you know, like there's this, this dream and this youth to it that then really what I'm experiencing is Rothbard's power in, in the third act and her ability, they are in cahoots together and that is just something that I try to sponge off of in that moment. And then, the, and then you get to the moment where in fourth act you're, you're just completely dumbfounded your mother's left you on your own. You're, out, you're back out in the woods trying to find her. And um, I, I find myself like in, in a really sad space where it's just like anything that you say to somebody that you misspoke or that you didn't think first before you spoke, that's what I'm trying to bring to that act where it's like, I swear I didn't mean whatever, you know, that kind of. And your thoughts uh, about the white swan, Odette. Francis Chung is your partner. And the Francis Chung. The Francis. Okay, can you talk about uh, dancing with her and, and your, your, your thoughts about the character it, uh, it itself? Yeah, um, Francis and I have, uh, since when I, when I joined, uh, she was one of my first, par I think my first partner in, in the company for Sanguinic and um, Fortis. Uh, in Paris, and she was right there for me from the beginning. Uh, it was a very stressful tour. Um, I was meant to only do three parts, and I ended up doing nine parts um, in the span of three weeks in Paris. Uh, so that was like total trial by fire. Um, but to have somebody like Francis there that's like cool, calm, and collected, and also extremely personable and just such a great friend, you know, we have our kids together after the show yesterday, just like running around on stage and going to uh, an Italian restaurant afterwards. It just feels like she's such an important, um, she was just such an important pillar of San Francisco ballet that I totally attached myself to. I was like, whatever she's doing, I wanna have that because that makes sense to me. Um, to be able to, uh, have only a week to put this together, really, in essence. Um, it's just to have somebody that you can um, have an, an unspoken language, first off, in the ballet space. You know, we're, we're not sitting there for an hour just discussing how these things go. It's like you're in the door, the discussion is while you're relearning the choreography, and also, like, we've only got three days before we're on stage, let's just try and push through as much as we can. And then, you know, a lot of the time is just spent out in the corridor, 
post-rehearsal, discussing what we can do tomorrow, what's the plan for how we get to last uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, can you talk about the power of Tchaikovsky's music? And folks, you know, when the ballet premiered in 1877, the critics did not like the score at all. They, th they said it was too symphonic, too complicated. The dancers complained that it was undanceable. Um, people, because dancers at that time were used to you know, oom pa very simple melodies. But we've come a long way since then. And can you talk about um, how you relate to Tchaikovsky's music? Yeah, I mean, Nutcracker was the first entry point for me, obviously, and um, has been for my daughter as well, because she is two years old, and we have been listening to the clown song for an eternity, it feels, <laughs> since. And now she can hum it herself. She's picked up the tune and knows how to sing it, um, which is better than listening to it. Um, but. Uh, I, I find that Swan Lake has just, it's an earwig that it, it just stays with you and I find myself whistling it for months after I dance the ballet and for months before I dance it. Um, there's something so um, sentimental and nostalgic about how it feels when you're listening to it, even if it's your first time listening. Uh, Tchaikovsky's music feels like it's from the hum like the universal experience, like it feels like that's what excitement feels like and sounds like, and that's what sorrow and for pain and apologizing feels like in fourth act. And you know, every single time I hear that drum roll before you run in around the swans in fourth act, it's like. I can feel the emotion bubbling up inside and like immediately I have tears coming out of my, <laughs> I can't help it. It's just, it just does that. And that score, no matter, no matter how many times I've listened to it, has affected me that way. I know, I always cry at the end of Swan Lake. I've seen this ballet 300,000 times and at the end I'm always, oh, and I do blame a lot on the music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we know how it ends, but you know, there's no, there's no helping it. Get your Kleenex ready, folks, yeah. okay. Uh, a little back to the personal. How do you like to spend your time when you're not dancing? Um, a lot of my time now in the past two years has shifted to family time. Um, I love to go and see shows around the city, and um, I'm actually tonight headed to see uh, Cirque du Soleil, which is cool. Uh, big fan. <laughs> but, uh, I, you know, we live in a an amazing town that we can, in 15 minutes from my house, I can be at the San, um, San Bruno State Park. And that's been the most recent uh, space that I've explored and just taking a nice walk and trying to get a little cross training in at the same time is uh, always great. And uh, if you weren't a dancer, what would you be? <laughs> uh, can I say a dancer? Um, I used to play soccer. That was always a thing that I really liked. Um, but I, I don't know, there's really, I started when I was three and I was saying I wanna be a professional dancer by the time I was 11. And there's not many memories of something else that drew me so deeply into being invested than ballet. So it's, it's, 
it's still a, it's a question that I still struggle with. Question time. Um, if you would like to ask a question, please speak uh, loudly and succinctly because I need to repeat the question. How, how sore am I today is the question. <laughs> um, uh, like scale one to 10, is that, that's good? I'm probably at like a six and a half, seven. <laughs> uh, it's, the, the costumes are, like if I was just rehearsing in the studio, I could run it again today. But because I kind of like gave everything in that and the costumes are quite thick and real wool, um, both pants and jacket, and there's like a lot of padding in the cadet's jacket in the first and second act. Um, so it, it, you lift in a different way, um, kind of like around the costume, uh, lifting your arms, generally in dancing while in costume is quite challenging. Uh, so it just makes everything add up a little bit more the next day. Um, as much as I try to recover, I know that the day after a Swan Lake is just gonna be kind of void. <laughs> um, so I, I woke up this morning and did my little back crack and stretch and uh, went straight to a coffee shop for some pastries and that is healing. <laughs> Another question. Um, she, she said uh, she's also a dancer and she wants to know what is the most important thing in dance. Um, there's a few that I would say that I depend on every day and that is musicality, that is accepting the input and um, effort of the dancers around you, whether that's your classmates or your teachers, um, and just being open to feedback is a huge thing that will really push you to the next level each way. Each step of the way is like a new karate belt, you know? You gotta get to this point to get to two turns, you gotta get to this point to get to three turns. It's, it's a slow and steady process, but the more that you surround yourself with the community that supports you, that's the, that's the best. Wow, well said. Yes, ma'am. Uh, yes, upcoming ballets. We'd like to look for you. Are you uh, excited about some upcoming ballets? Yeah, um, we have Midsummer coming up, which I'm really thrilled that's coming back and in this really epic way with the Paris Opera uh, La Croix production. It's, from what I've seen, what I've put on, it's epic. Um, and that was the last performance prior to the shutdown. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be over on that night and hold that, that performance got me through a lot during the pandemic, where it was just remembering how much support was out there. Everyone kind of knew that this was coming, not in the way that we all ended up living it, but that there was this sense of, um, I don't know, if I, I found something in, in that performance that even though it's such a challenging role, the scherzo is just, it really takes it out of you. You can't breathe by the end and you're still then coming back onto stage for a whole another two minutes. Um, but that is something I'm looking forward to, and hopefully I get to do one more, more than one show <laughs> this time. Uh, I am currently cast as Oberon, yes. Uh, 
The other thing I'm looking forward to is The New Carmen by Arielle Smith. Um, she is a lovely person to work with, and I'll be dancing with um, Sasha for that. Um, and have fittings for that this week. Uh, and, you know, the moment that you get to see what the character in the designer's eye looks like, again, reinforms how you approach the role. And so that's um, something I'm looking forward to as well. Joe, you are so articulate, and it's a, it's a real pleasure to in interview you. However, we are out of time, folks. I know, it's, uh, yes, they have a hook and they carry us off. We have to end. So uh, please join me now in thanking our uh, guest, Joseph Walsh. Thank you, everyone. Enjoy the show. Uh, Wei and Wona are incredible. So enjoy and have fun, and uh, I hope you cry a little bit. Thank you for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more about SF Ballet or to attend in-person Meet the Artist interviews and performances, visit sfballet.org. See you at the ballet.